Are we allowed to curse on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of which is kind of the joke of the question because I know the answer already. Holy shit. But uh, you know, I refer to my parents a lot because I was privileged enough to grow up with these dope radical lefties as parents. But my dad, uh, I remember calling him, see Auntie Maxine on uh, TV, and I'm like, she's really uh, amazing. And like, maybe she's, is she gonna run for a president? I'm obsessed with her. Like, uh, how come she's like, we don't have her like on the forefront? And my dad's like, you know what the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking kids. There's not fucking enough young people. And I'm sick of you. We've been doing this shit our whole fucking lives. And you got to get some young people in there. And like, we're working on it. But to his point, he's like, you know, I've been doing this. I'm. He's like, I'm fucking 75. I've been doing this shit forever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he has a point that like, we totally have to step up. I and think I we think need your old that. man in the bunker. Your old man might need to come in the bunker. Yeah. Uh, I like I like his fucking attitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Welcome everyone uh, to another uh, episode of the Highlands Bunker. I'm your uh, comrade Ari Vanella. And I'm incredibly excited uh, because we have, as a guest today, Vanessa Clifford from uh, the Working Families Party, who, a little bit of background here, uh, at one point took up residence in the bunker to do some campaign work in the area. So she's familiar with the, the, uh, the surroundings here. Uh, we've already had a little chat about that. Um, Vanessa has also been with uh, AFSME and SEIU, um, so has a huge uh, experience with labor, uh, trade trade unionism and, and labor representation and organizing. And I'm just, um, I'm excited she came in. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, first of all, I love Delaware and uh, I love this house. It's uh, <laughs> definitely a movement house and it's nice to be back in my old bedroom. <laughs> nice, very good. Um, can you... I think for some people, even for me who follows it, I think the Working Families Party is a little bit um, mysterious to people because, mm -hmm. for example, if you follow New York state politics, you see that they, you know, they can put people on the ballot through their initiatives and actually run candidates. Some places um, that uh, Working Families Party is uh, it operates, they, they do more organizing and training. Um, so can you give just a, a sort of a brief synopsis of the organization and the mission a little bit so people understand sort of where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So Working Families Party, we are a national political party. Um, we do not have full-time staff in every state, um, but we have about 15 states where we have an operation. Um, in each state, it has its own different like permutations. So for instance, in Delaware, you're stuck with me. Um, uh, whereas like in Pennsylvania, you have full-time staff. New York, you have full-time staff. Um, we also will go to states where we don't necessarily have full-time staff. For instance, uh, Georgia, we did not have a ton of staff, but um, threw down in the last election. Um, and now we do when are looking to build and grow. 
Um, the Working Families Party, though, we are a progressive political party. We were created about 20 years ago by labor unions and community organizations, basically saying that the uh, both of the major two parties weren't doing enough So um, for actual working people, uh, working class people. So our ideals are um, all, all the good issues, right? So $15 a minimum wage, immigration reform, criminal justice reform, LGBTQ rights, um, and money out of politics, so on and so forth. So the idea is is that we help recruit, train, elect uh, progressive elected officials, candidates, and campaign staff. And then we also have um, a membership base, look to build a membership base to make sure that we have actual good progressive legislation and help those um, that are most affected by the issues that I mentioned. Yeah, I, I actually popped on the website today just to take a few notes and you, you mentioned recruiting and training progressive candidates and and the second one underneath of that was run aggressive campaigns and I just it was it's so um uh, to me somebody who has my politics and sort of has my uh, energy or whatever you want to call it to see that word used like we run aggressive campaigns mm -hmm. I like that adjective and of course the, the third one was just organized because that's what you're doing you know all the time um you're you're basically sent you would be part of the staff in Pennsylvania and supplement here because we don't have a, a full-time organization here is that that's sort of how it works yeah so um I do oversee the state of Pennsylvania um, and the state of Delaware and then we have a very mobile staff base so if we're doing work here and we need comm staff they don't physically need to be in the ground but the idea is also too that you know I work with folks who are from Delaware and really you know uh, like Kobe and Kirsten, those folks are actually like should be the working families party here. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Um, wherein that we are training folks, giving folks any like background that they need, any sort of support and helping build up those folks. So the folks on the ground are doing that. And then you find that like building up local folks to give them the support they need to be running the party within their own states. Cool. Well, this is how I kind of wanted to start the, the other part of the conversation, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, because I've been thinking about <clears throat> this idea that just you think about the national election, but even smaller elections, we were talking about city councils and state elections. I, I'm more in the sense now in our political environment that the key is uh, organization and mobilization and getting people excited to, to sort of join up. And do something it's not really about persuasion in the sense that the people who are engaged not, not a lot can come from that argument now in the environment we're in and so that's why I think the work that the kind of work that you do is of incredible importance because of that sort of I don't even know if it's a shift maybe it's always been like that but the current environment puts it in starker relief um, but yeah the idea of, of organization and mobilization um, rather than sort of issues necessarily not that we don't have issues but um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are that that kind of that kind of split yeah that actually is something that changed for me about geez like eight or nine years ago I 
uh, grew up extremely political. I come from a radical lefty family. Uh, you know, my name is Vanessa after Vanessa Redgrave for activism, the Communist Party. My middle name is Africa after John Africa's little bit of background. So this is uh, something that uh, we we enjoy here. We like these kind of stories. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I grew up, I was fortunate to have grown up in you know the People's Republic of Cambridge, Massachusetts. My dad's best friend was the first openly gay black mayor in the country, and. I had friends from all over the world. My parents, uh, my dad owned this bar, you know, and folks like Charles Ogletree and like Henry Louis Gates Jr. were hanging out there. And um, my my friends as well were extremely progressive. So it wasn't until I moved to Philadelphia, I went to Drexel University, I went on a rowing scholarship. And uh, in a shocking turn of events, uh, folks are pretty conservative, especially in Pennsylvania. And just because you're in a big city, um, you know, you're not necessarily around the most diverse group of people or the most progressive folks. And I was really shocked. And my way of dealing with that at the time when I was younger was essentially just arguing with people, thinking, you know, it's not okay for you to be homophobic. And I need to reason with you and explain to you why this is wrong. Or it's not okay for you to say that, like, people shouldn't have a higher minimum wage. That's not okay. And I should argue with you and I should try to convince you otherwise. Um, and through the Working Families Party, um, we went to a training, a Wellstone training, and they showed us a diagram and they said, you know, here most of us are probably all the way on the left and uh, like half circle for folks listening and here folks are all the way on the right. And you could spend all your time and energy and effort. You could reason with folks and explain to them what's, you know, what's right, what's wrong, why they should try to move. But statistically speaking, you are not going to move these folks, right? If somebody is um, anti-abortion, it's highly unlikely that you're going to change their minds. But what you can do is reach out to folks in the middle a year and a half before you're starting any sort of campaign, whether it be electoral or issue-based, and do it in an intentional way where you're meeting folks where they're at and try to move them, but organize your base. And what you do is you build power in your base and you organize and you bring people in and then you beat out the anti-abortion people because most likely those people will always be anti-abortion, but if they're not in office, if they don't hold power, right, then you don't really have to worry about it because they're not people governing. Um, and since then, I was probably like, yeah, uh, 23 at that time, I essentially stopped arguing with people and realized that my energy was better spent to try to organize around getting more folks involved and, um, you know, essentially beating out the right. Um, yeah, I talk about that a lot here because I'm, I'm in that dilemma, too, because I I don't do it as much as I used to because it's getting boring, but I'll, I'll have an online fight every once in a while just to like for fun. <laughs> Um, but I feel like I do it in the same vein. Like I'm trying to expose the, re the absurdity of it because there's no point. Either there's things you either believe or you don't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually wondering when you go to sort of this middle and you lay the groundwork for maybe a campaign organizing, what types of ideas do you organize around that you find? Because I kind of want to explore, you know, the folks in this state. And not only do you have the background in this sort of um, – 
strategy, but also you've been around the state. Yeah. And so you can kind of sort of give us some ideas of what th sort of things you were using to, to mobilize and organize, maybe disenfranchise people, working people, that kind of thing. I think um, for us, what really resonated here, and I think even just the work that I've done since starting to work in Delaware, um, is really been the most overarching issue and how I feel like we hit people is one at the doors, right? Uh, the folks have done a tremendous job for years and years um, and, and before the Kerry campaign of continuously like all year round knocking on doors, doing issue-based work and building that into the electoral work. Um, but I think that Delaware, the money out of politics is something that is so unifying in a state where we know that Every single corporation is LLC'd here. Um, you know, we like the power that exists here and folks having an understanding of that. And when you knock on doors, whether I was like in, uh, you know, down in Dover or here in Wilmington or in Newcastle, I think that the money out of politics was something that really resonated with folks because maybe folks weren't concerned about like the immigration fight. Maybe folks weren't concerned about $15 as a minimum wage because they were, um, you know, doing fine for themselves. But they do inherently believe that like corporations, pharmaceutical, gas, oil developers should not be the ones who our politicians are beholden to. Yeah, we, we bang that drum in here very often. That the LLCs being the the worst part of it. And and I guess not only that, but the apparatus that's built around that. So we have a chancery court that does the bidding of the corporations. Uh, we have tax laws and we you know we repeal usury and, and all these different situations. So there there's a whole there's a whole apparatus there that really is um, exposed for critique mm -hmm. so i like that we hit that we hit that quite a lot in here yeah. that's cool yeah i i really think that uh you can change the world with with flipping the state legislature and the gubernatorial seats yeah we and the 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 interesting part here is the way that you sort of framed it on the spectrum and i know this is something i wanted to speak with uh with our friend that we were speaking about before who will go unnamed but um because she's in the thick of it now too is this idea that you're engaging sort of in Delaware with conservative corporate Democrats. So it's a really, um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a situation that I think people don't understand why it's happening. They don't, they don't understand, you know, well, why aren't you just arguing with the people that, you know, the other side, quote unquote, the other side. But as you said, that there's there's really no there's no point in that. That's not the political power is going to be gained by going after actually a, a Democratic governor, uh, some Democratic state legislators, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. So that's that's the that's the tricky one too, is because when you knock on a door in Dover, for example, or Wilmington, and you say you know talk about the LLCs and the corporate environment. And low taxes and the people who are taking advantage of this environment aren't, you know, paying their fair share. Um, I think people get that. But the people who put that in place are still here and they're Democrats, actually. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a very tricky uh, game. Yeah, I think 
what recently has been very exciting to me is uh, to have the opportunity to actually bring Kobe and uh, Kirsten, friends of the show, uh, Left Ward Delaware folks, folks who are helping um, to build the Working Families Party, uh, to New York for the Working Families Party National Committee meeting and um, introduce them to our staff in Rhode Island, um, which we've done a tremendous amount of work in a similarly situated state where very strong Dems folks are saying, yeah, I know the Democrat is going to win here. And people uh, seemingly some folks take it for granted. Um, But in Rhode Island, we've had a tremendous amount of success flipping seats with more progressive Democrats. Um, You know, we don't have to run uh, standalone WFP folks, right? But there's primaries and um, I think that when you go to people's houses, you know, you talk to them, you have face-to-face conversations. I think people get it. And I think that um, there's a lot to build upon here, and it's definitely doable. Yeah, I'm, I'm again, really excited when I I speak to people and I hear uh, the Working Families Party stuff come up, or I hear your name come up, and I know that there's sort of that solidarity because that was the one sort of overarching theme of this whole exercise that I was trying to do is I, I could sort of pull people in from different spots and could sort of get them together because I think it is important. So it really, uh, it really is. Well, I think Kobe was the one who told me that he, that she got, that they went and, uh, yeah, I was pretty excited about that because, uh, all of the things that we did for Carrie and around that, that kind of sort of kept going, um, with, things we've put in place with Network Delaware and Drew, um, Delaware United has become a lot bigger. Your organization, you've been more involved. I think if we can keep that momentum going, it's excellent. So, and we love Kobe anyway. Yeah. He's, he's all right. He's, he's all right. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, no, it, it's really interesting here. I think that what what excites me about it is that you have a really diverse group of folks. So we had somebody like uh, my new best friend, if he's not sick of me, Kenny, who is a rank and file union member who was pulled in from um, Sarin knocking on doors and now is highly, highly engaged in the process. And even though his union um, has a political apparatus as well, he as an individual is more empowered and involved. And then you have a ton of young folks, which is uh, super exciting. And, you know, somebody like Faith or somebody like yourself who's like extremely, extremely knowledgeable, spending all their free time. Um, and a lot of other places, I think it's hard to get folks to spend this much time and put in the work that you need to do when it's not their full time job. Because Delaware, unlike some more Republic, like Pennsylvania, you know, there's a, uh, there's more of an apparatus, right? Like there's a lot more paid organizing. There's a lot more um, labor involvement. And in Delaware, you lack some of that progressive infrastructure and actually like staff members' bodies on the ground. So it's very impressive uh, what y'all are able to do without any paid staff members. Well, I think it just became somewhat untenable, Uh, you know, it's almost by, by necessity. Um, some folks here were able to make an argument and organize people sort of around some initial political campaigns. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, I would say, I would argue that the reason that those other uh, apparatus aren't there 
to do that kind of work is basically by design because since the 70s we've just been a corporate tax haven mm-hmm. and so everything's been set up that way and there was there's no reason to have really strong labor union organizing or act or activism you know there's you know all of that other sort of uh, infrastructure could be ignored because it was small enough to just go on the engine of like the corporate part of it and if it left people behind well you know we dealt with that in other other ways so I'm, <clears throat> yeah, it's just glad like people of uh, Carl and, 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 and folks of his generation are uh, basically the only thing keeping me going, <laughs> keeping, keeping hope alive <laughs> around here, to be perfectly honest. Oh, the other thing I was reading, and maybe we can kind of hook this into sort of how you create these um, alliances and build uh, political hegemony. Um, the last little uh, blurb on the homepage of the Working Families Party, the main one, um, and there's some links to either take action or donate, which we'll probably add into the show notes. Um, but, you know, it basically says you can do this or do this, and it restates, you know, the, the plan, and, and, it's, and the last phrase is for the many, not the few. Yes. And I love that because I'm a big Jezza guy, a big late, because yeah, you know, labor is uh-huh. using that in the UK. Yep. And Corbin's pulling them to the left, and I saw that, and I'm like, "Oh, it just made it warmed my heart." I didn't, I, didn't, I actually didn't have to be warm today, as Carl mentioned. But, <laughs> but yeah, seeing seeing things like that and stuff kind of come together, where people can start feeling like you're not by, you're not doing this in a silo, and you're not by yourself. Um, that there's there's people doing the same kind of work that are in solidarity with you, even if they're not here. Um, and, and you're doing it really directly and going other places and joining up with these groups to do organizing and do campaigning. But it, yeah, it just, it makes me very, uh, very pleased to see something like that. So we actually uh, work with um, the Labor Party as well. Um, we do, uh, my colleague, uh, the one of the members of the uh, executive team, uh, along with our uh, new executive director, Maurice Mitchell, um, but Nalini Stamp, basic i believe she's in europe right now um but essentially runs our international work um and probably i'd say like 60 40 spends her time um whether it's like in england or in spain uh, i just missed going to a training with her in dublin which i was pretty upset about but yeah we do also do a lot of work so um with the international um community and um yeah for the many not the few it's it's really very easy very very basic when i first saw it on the placard in front of corbin maybe two years ago whatever it was i'm like that's perfect that sums it right up um so when i saw when i saw it was used i was i was pretty uh like i said when i see that kind of sort of things paths crossing yeah, uh, it means things are happening, which is which is really really dope. So the idea too is that we were created by labor and community organizations, but also we have a large number of individual small monthly donors. So that, um, for instance, for our like presidential process or when we have endorsement interviews, you know. Uh, I myself, other staff members go out, sit down with folks. And depending on the state, things work in different ways. The state committees have their own structures. But the idea is, is that everybody should have the ability to get involved in our process so that 
we have a bunch of people who give $10 a month and then they have part in the party. So when I left the Working Families Party in 2011, I went into the labor movement. I became a state committee member when I was in New York. And I still, to this day, give the Working Families Party $20 a month, Um, just the same as when I worked for a labor union, I would, or when I've been a member of a union, give $20 a month to the political action committee associated with that labor union. You know, people give five, 10 bucks a month to Planned Parenthood, but within the Working Families Party, um, it's something where you being a monthly dues-paying member can really, uh, like, that's how the party is running in terms of like individual activists. So you don't have to be a local president of a union or an executive director of a non-for-profit, but everybody should really have the ability to get involved wherever they're at in terms of the party. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I did something similar with the Center for Popular Democracy because I met them um, a couple of years ago, went down and did an action and just was so uh, sort of impressed by the their guts uh, that I sort of did the same thing. And then you just feel like, because every little bit, you know, if you can continue to do it, it helps everybody, you know, do that, do that kind of work. Yeah. CPDR are like very good friends. Uh, I will actually be at a conference of theirs in Detroit next week. Um, And it is, they do. Jennifer Flynn blew my mind. I spent a day with her in this group doing an action. Yeah. Fucking blew my mind. Yeah, they're really uh, remarkable individuals. I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of um, friends who work there, and it's it's great to be in the struggle with them. They're yeah, really inspiring. They're incredible. Yeah. So what, what um, I know you are sort of laying the groundwork and doing some organizing uh, and thinking about campaigns uh, in the in the home state and in, in Philadelphia. Um, you want to talk about those a little bit? Oh, I would love to. Um, so the very uh, exciting thing that is happening in Philadelphia right now is that there are two seats in city council at large that are reserved for the minority party. So Democrats always get five of the seven city council at large seats. Two of those seats that are reserved for the minority party historically have always gone to the Republicans. Um, It's fairly disgusting in a very Democratic city um, that Republicans have taken these seats and sat on council and been very, very comfortable. Uh, In the last cycle, a gentleman challenged them. Uh, He had worked for uh, Mayor Nutter in the past, did like a fairly decent job. Um, but we have this amazing, amazing scenario where we believe that um, Philly will be a national example of a real unifying of the left. So <clears throat> our state committee is comprised of PASNAP, PFT, 32BJ, Unite here, uh, Make the Road Pennsylvania, and an organization, faith-based organizing called Power. Um, so we have you know, the backing of that, the state committee, the Pennsylvania Working Families Party. Uh, we have 215 People's Alliance. We have one Pennsylvania. We have um, an organization called CADBY, um, Coalition to um, Abolish Death by Incarceration, Criminal Justice Reform Group, um, and several other progressive organizations and are in the process of getting other endorsements. Um, 
that have endorsed are two working families party only candidates to knock out the Republicans from city council at large. So their names are Kendra Brooks and Nicholas O'Rourke. Um, they are the dream. Uh, they are both activists and organizers. And between the two of them, there's not an issue where they haven't been on the ground in the forefront. So the campaigns uh are running very, very well um, based on the fact that they have this massive, massive base. They each have folks from like Socialist Alternative or uh, SEIU or um, DSA on their kitchen cabinets um, so that the campaigns are almost running themselves in the sense that they're really, really well organized and the candidates are really awesome. So we uh, believe that in November, we are going to knock out the Republicans and put into working families party only candidates and are very excited about it and um, <clears throat> would also look forward to doing that in uh, the city of Wilmington with the one seat you have next year. You know, uh, I, I wanted to uh, to mention, uh, as you said, you can hear sort of some of the specific things that you're doing strategically uh, in the city of Philadelphia. And remember, folks, this is not uh, this is this is a uh, this is solidarity across state lines. So what you're what that kind of strategy we're gonna we're we're gonna put that in place here as well. So I think people are starting to get that understanding, like that there's something going on that they don't understand. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah, something's yeah. happened. I've never seen this happen before. Like what? This isn't gonna work here. And then they're like, ooh, maybe it will. Like it's starting to. It's it's starting to get entrenched, and I think um, the the traction, if it keeps going, is is going to be is going to be great. I wish you tons of luck with that, because you know I follow Philadelphia politics too. So um, yeah, that would be that, that would be a, an absolute coup. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty wild. I, I was staying earlier, but I'll say it again. You know, uh, last year I was bodying Cynthia Nixon. Uh, People may know her from a TV show or her gubernatorial race. I know because she should have beaten Cuomo, but that's, hey, that's yeah, that's how I'm most familiar with her. Um, uh, walking through Netroots in New Orleans, so um, I was with our WFP folks, and Kendra and Nicholas were at Netroots, and we're walking through Netroots, and people are, Kendra, Ken, oh my God, is that Pastor Nicholas? Can we stop and meet them? And I'm thinking like they're just as popular as Cynthia Nixon was, and it's. It's wild. It definitely feels something. And it, it's my understanding, although I'm not a native Philadelphian, that this is the first time that every single one of the organizations that is endorsing um, has been exactly on the same side on like two candidates. You know, in the Democratic primary for the five at large seats, there was like three candidates that most of the organizations agreed upon. And then there was different variations of the other two. Um, but Nicholas and Kendra, everybody's on board. You can definitely feel something here. So nice. Well, you want uh, bringing it back to Delaware a little bit. What um, sort of in, in general terms, maybe we'll say, um, have you been active uh, with any groups or with any issues uh, recently down here? Yeah, so I've been really excited to work with the folks uh, to help build Leftward Delaware. So helping in terms of providing, you know, materials, resources, and general consultants, um, consultation, excuse me, on just how to build an organization 
how to train candidates, how to train campaign staff. Um, I came down here, we did like a 50 person candidate campaign manager uh, training with some colleagues from around the country, some skilled operatives. Um, and then also on an ongoing basis, as I do this in Pennsylvania, um, and through a women-run campaigns program that we do. I have been coaching some candidates here um, throughout the state um, that I believe would be um, good folks to flip seats. And anybody who I train, I always offer help and assistance and support. So been doing that. And then through the folks with, at LeftWord, also helping to give them um, just some guidance in terms of having them learn how to teach people how to run campaigns and uh, help train candidates as well. Nice. People have joined the fight. Yeah, I don't even, have we ever even really fully mentioned leftward on here before? I don't think so. Why don't you why don't you uh, give the give the spiel cuz I yeah. I'm pretty I, sure we have not. We haven't really had any opportunities to advertise much just cuz we're still we're still in the early processes. Yeah, that's why I didn't hit you. Like when it, when it does sort of come up, I never <laughs> never talk about it in here because it was like a big push, and there was some there was some training, there was some stuff put together, and and you know then the summertime comes and other things are going on, and I'm like, yeah. I'm just gonna keep it to myself. Um, so the basic idea of leftward um, is that over the last I'd say four or so years especially there's been a lot of energy building in the progressive movement in Delaware that really has never existed before uh, but the issue is that whenever any new campaign starts it's sort of building up from scratch like there'll be the people who know what's going on generally and that'll try to help out uh, but we're missing a lot of institutional knowledge and a lot of institutional support because Delaware's really never had a progressive movement before like uh, I think the biggest progressive coup in the last 20 years was uh, Greenville billionaire Jack Markell winning the primary against Carney. And that's like the b closest we've ever gotten to like an actual win. Um, so the idea behind Leftward is that um, a lot of people got, uh, have started growing knowledge on the Eugene campaign back in 2016, the Kerry uh, campaign, uh, the Chris Johnson campaign, even Kathy Davis campaign, some of the down ballot races like Tizzy's. Uh, and we're hoping to channel that into an actual organization that is going to help recruit uh, vet and train candidates to, and uh, actually provide them with support, whether that be knocking on doors, providing uh, campaign expertise, providing their various resources, and that's what uh, Working Families Party has been helping out with. And building it into an actual... Uh, right now, it's mostly going to be up in the Newcastle County area, but eventually building a sort of statewide progressive apparatus that is going to be able to take um, people who might not otherwise run for office and bring them into the process and, you know, change Delaware yeah and which is essentially like that is what the WFP does yeah. and why we're working it's like so we are working uh very closely and I just want to emphasize this is the thing that people really don't understand how difficult it's made for regular folks to run for office that being said uh it's not rocket science to win electoral campaigns. There's a formulaic way that if you show up, you do the work, you have the right guidance, you you can do it, generally speaking, if the race, uh, if the if the numbers are for it, right? Like yeah. you look at like a Just King campaign in uh, Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania, they 
run an amazing campaign, it was a very, very red district. However, um, it seems like the Eugene campaign, even like early stages of the Kerry campaign, what was missing, it wasn't that the folks weren't working hard. It wasn't uh, that you didn't have the good candidates. It was that you didn't have like the infrastructure of a campaign initially. And as it gets bigger, you just have to have the background. Um, yep. So a lot of people sort of building the plane or building a plane as they were flying that's it. That's right. Um, you know, it's, we had some, like, in 2016, 2018, there were some actually really, like, the fact that Carrie Evelyn Harris, who basically nobody knew before uh, the year 2018 in Delaware, the fact that she managed to get 35% in a primary against Tom Carper, who has been, like, the king of this state for the last 40 years, like, there is something there. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, Eugene Young managed to get second place by only a couple hundred votes. And the fact that we've managed to win some down-ballot primaries and some down-ballot general elections, like, that is coming out of nowhere. That's really impressive, and Leftward hopes to really capitalize on that and push at that next step. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I know, uh, you know, we endorsed, the Working Families Party endorsed uh, Don Allen, who is... You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's funny that you said that his, his name's on my one of my list to call back because he's a guy I've been in contact with who hasn't been in. Um, we've talked about him in regards to sort of knocking on doors in, in Sussex County because Josh Whitaker has been in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested uh, in stuff like that because there are people and even outside of electoral politics, you can talk like this campaign, this campaign um, overachieved. There, it's indicative that there's something there, but the, then the work continues. You know, Carrie's, Carrie has taken that momentum and applied it in not only national organizing and activism, but also in this state inside the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, the groups like Network Delaware, like Leftward, like now getting support from the Working Families Party, I think at least... For some people, I think they have an idea that the left or the challenges to the Democratic Party establishment are sort of uh, fractious. And to some extent, that's true. Um, But there is a lot of things are starting to come together. Uh, DSA, Network, Leftward, Working Families Party, the trade unionists saw the nurses union out protesting at Hahnemann the other day. I was out of town. Uh, you know, I, my missus is uh, Nurse Susan, so I was like, when I saw that, I was like, I usually try to go, and even when she works, I try to go and, and protest as her proxy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, all of these groups that people think are disparate are starting to come together, and I think they're starting to realize that it behooves all of us to to uh, to come. It's you know, it's it's a, like you said, it's a it's not rocket science, but it seems like a monumental task because the apparatus and the and the and the and the process that's in place uh makes it very difficult to penetrate yeah absolutely it's you know um and then i don't want to talk too much about like the individual candidates but folks that i did work with I like feel free like a carrie and don it's like they 
you know, the Republican Party seems to be able to find people nice, cushiony jobs where they don't have to worry about, you know, paying their mortgage or feeding their kids, right? And if you look at somebody like Don or Kerry, who are working class folks who are not millionaires, who are not taking any corporate money, who have to still pay their rent, feed their children, it's extremely difficult for folks like them to run for office because, you know, Don was going to work and then coming home and knocking doors. So what does he do? Does he not work and can't pay his bills? No, he can't do that. But that also means that he can't spend the amount of time he needs on the phone to fundraise to get the dollars he needs to pay the staff he needs to to build the infrastructure of the campaign to win the race, you know? Um, so it's it's more difficult in that way. But. Yeah, we have that's the reason why we have a lot of retirees and rich lawyers in the legislature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why our progressive champion is a corporate lawyer in Delaware. Yeah, but it, it's not among impo- many reasons. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. A, yes. It's it's not impossible. Um, it's just you know we know that we don't necessarily have the wind at our backs. Oh yeah, saying, I mean the know, chips so. the, the chips are stacked pretty heavily against any sort of change to the pre-described and prescribed structure. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, 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 that's just, I mean, and that's not, that's not an accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you can ask people, party people that say, yeah, that's because we don't, we don't want you. Yeah. You know, that I, I, so yeah, it's, it's a Herculean task. I think one of the things that is so impressive to me in the candidates who have stepped up to do it is exactly what you said, because to, to go up against a, a machine, especially in a small place that's sort of like even more insular and sort of, uh, you know, incestuous almost, like people get set up, they have another thing, you know, everybody's sort of in place. To go up against that is uh, you have to be a warrior, a real, yeah. a, a real warrior for working people, for poor people, um, for disenfranchised people, and it takes a lot of fucking guts. And that's the kind of stuff that motivates me is like a Don Allen or Carrie or something like that. It's just amazing because it does. It takes a it takes a lot of guts. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I can bring it back to Hahnemann too. So like Paznap, eleven ninety nine, they're all on our board um, in Pennsylvania. Also, I personally, you know, my parents met each other union organizing together. I was my dream when I was five years old. I was like, I want to be in the labor movement when I <laughs> it's grow up. It's a leftist up, love know? story. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it, but you know, we've been heavily involved in trying to stop the closure of Hahnemann Hospital. Um, and the Working Families Party candidates, Nicholas and Kendra, have been at the forefront in the fight to try to stop the closure. And you know, they're. They're practice like they're marching through the streets uh, with Senator Turner. Like they are not, um, they're they're not sitting comfortably, right? Like it takes courage to stand up and be out there in the forefront. Uh, they were also both the other day leading a rally uh, to shut down the, one of the detention centers is up in Pennsylvania and Berks County. Yeah, I saw. I I didn't know that one was in Pennsylvania. Uh, that's one of the states. Mm-hmm. That they're only in a few states. But yeah. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until when they until they did that. Yeah, and so it's like it takes courage to be like, hey, by the way, we want to like shut that. We, you know, we want to shut down. By the way, I might have to get in on that. So uh, make sure you like if if because uh, I'd like to get in on some like abolish all shit, put my body in the street. Mm-hmm. Let me know. Send me all a text right. message. I, or something. That's the kind will. of shit I get involved with. Absolutely. Um, you know. It, and the interesting thing actually about Berks County Detention Center uh, is that 
we think about politics being national, uh, you know, Trump is the worst, but we can actually fix some of these things. So the county commissioner in Berks County has the power to shut down that detention center. So actually, hypothetically speaking, I'm not sure, you know, they're throughout the country. But the fact is, if we can get good progressive county commissioners in Berks County, we can change that. You know, um, we're running a guy for uh, district attorney in Lehigh uh, County, also up in Pennsylvania. You know, if we can flip this six term Republican, that means that like actually every person is now actually going to receive like a fair and just uh, like process as opposed to what's currently happening. Yeah. And this is my I think people are, are starting to come around to this idea that it's not far fetched running, you know, a, a working families candidate or running a progressive candidate or a DSA candidate. When you actually listen to what those candidates do and what they stand for, people say, you know, if they get that opportunity, if the campaign is good and they're out there and getting their message out, people are like, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. Like we, I kind of like once if the, when the message is out there, it seems well received, but the system is set up in such a way to make it very difficult to get the message out. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, but we do know, right? We do know people want Medicare. All. Like we do know that people believe in raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. These are not insane ideas. They're very reasonable and they're overwhelmingly uh, supported by the American people. Yeah. Even it goes down to, and, and I'm, I've had this argument too about the, the college debt. We don't, you know, we had an argument about it. I went down and did an action about it, about the, the, the tax cuts that they put in right after uh, Trump was elected. Um, but they passed, and nobody really has any issue with that. We, we give, you know, Democrats vote to, uh, to give more, more budget to the Pentagon more than they asked for. And there's not much, I mean, people see it and they comment on it, but nothing happens. But if we're going to spend money to cancel people's student debt. And you look at the demographics of the folks who are, you know, gonna get their debt canceled, the vast majority of them are working people. There's there's people of color, women. I think I think I heard that the vast majority, like maybe seventy percent, of people with student loan debt from for profit universities, which is even worse, like online stuff, is uh, women of color. It's like seventy percent. And you explain to people like that's a that's an economic stimulus. Yeah. You know, that Absolutely. stimulates the economy. Absolutely. And you're, and you're rewarding folks, you know, who, who really aren't taking advantage that need a reward. So we can reward, you know, uh, boards for milking nickels and dimes out of everything they can. And t my Taibi had that great quote about, how's it, I don't want to fuck it up, when he was talking about Goldman Sachs. Oh, they're uh, a giant vampire squid jamming their blood funnel into anything that smells like money. That's that's about right. Yeah. You know, it's like, are we gonna? Is, is that are, like? But we're tricked into thinking that they're supposed to be rewarded for that, rather than stimulating the economy by saying, you know what, you've tried to better yourself. The system was stacked against you. Wages are stagnant. You know what? We're gonna forgive your student debt. It would be the biggest economic stimulus probably of all time. 
I think it would be. Yeah, I mean... But people don't... They, the, it's not framed properly <laughs> somehow. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it is a, a really a outrageous issue, right? And I, I used to... Um, <clears throat> I worked with uh, SEIU for six years, and I represented attending physicians in the public health system in New York City. And I'm telling you, surgeons are having a hard time paying their bills who are working in public hospitals who are making, you know, $80,000 a year less than they could because they're paying these insane student loans. And it's weird to me that a public school teacher or a social worker or any human being would be in $200,000 in debt because we have for-profit universities who also don't pay taxes for the, I, I mean, like in Philly, you know, UPenn doesn't pay any taxes. It's wild. Like my cousin in Ireland uh, became a physician and I was like, how did you get through med school? I know you're not paying a lot. She worked as like, a, she worked as a waitress in a very small restaurant. And mind you, they do not have tipping. <laughs> yeah, they just pay regular, they pay wages. They just yeah. pay wages, like yeah. it's wild. Yeah, I, again, I, we just keep talking about it with everybody. We keep trying to sort of make the argument uh, and and make it the way Bernie does. These are not radical ideas. People <laughs> yeah. believe these ideas, you know. And 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 the word is getting out. Well, I know you have a, a conference call you have to get to, right? Yep. So we're going to be respectful of uh, of your time. I'm respectful. Say, so I want to point that out for myself. I always always been respectful. <laughs> definitely. Um, you're, you not a lot of people would make that claim, actually. Um, thanks for coming in, Vanessa. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I hope to see really hope to, to see you. more of you uh, doing all of this stuff. Yeah, you. Uh, the state of Delaware is not getting rid of me. You're stuck with me. You so. Hear that, folks? <laughs> more organizing to come uh, to a uh, you know to a union meeting near you. Um, so we're gonna uh, definitely rep Working Families Party in the show notes. Like I said I know that there was a couple links at the bottom about either wanting to take action or sending a, a small donation from time to time. Um, obviously you can also, if you want to become a patron of the Highlands Bunker at patreon.com backslash the Highlands Bunker, or you can follow us on Twitter at, at Highlands Bunker. I mean, just do it. I mean, we're not going to sit here and pretend it's not a good podcast. We're not going to embarrass ourselves and sink to that level and pretend you love this shit. Anyway, the one thing we didn't get to when we talked about international stuff was Lula. I love Lula. Poor guy. We gotta get him out. Lula Livre left his best. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>